worship God together, isn't it? It's something, it's lovely to be at home or in the car and stick on a work, some worship and just to worship yourself, but when we gather together, there's something powerful about that, isn't it? Love. What a word, what, what an emotion, what a, a feeling. Songs have been written about love down through the ages. I haven't done a, a Google, but I'm sure it would probably be the main theme that songs are written about. Poems have been penned about love. Films have been made about love, and some of them have the word love in the title. Teenagers have fumbled over whether or not to say the word to somebody they've been dating for four hours. Should we say that word that we love each other now uh, to each other? But not just teenagers. Many adults have relationships but don't know if it's love. And then we use phrases like love at first sight. I remember a college lecturer who was also a Baptist minister was talking to us. I, I can't remember the context that she was talking about. It might have been when a few of us were on a retreat with her. But she said when she first met her husband, it was not love at first sight. It was not instant attraction. But she fell in love with his intellect before she fell in love with him. I don't know about you guys, but there's not a girl in this world has ever said to me, Wayne, I love how intelligent you are. (laughs) Don't laugh so loud at that, please. Love. This word love is spoken so many times in many different contexts. It is a word that is used when actually it's not love. Fondness, maybe. Admiration, possible. A deep liking, yes, but actual love, I'm, I'm not so sure. We say things like, oh, I'd love a cup of tea. I'd love to be lying on a sunny beach right now. TV programs such as Britain's Got Talent, that highbrow intellectual program on ITV, will see the judges saying to someone they have literally just met, oh, we love you. We can be in danger, friends, of abusing the word love as we diminish what it means as we say it in the wrong context. We can turn to the Bible and see love said in the correct context many hundreds of times, around 700 times, love of one sort or another. And we won't go into the different words for love tonight, but love of one sort or another is mentioned in God's word. God's Bible has been described as God's love letter to the world. God's love letter to you. God's love letter to me. And this evening I simply want us to, as we come around the bread and the cup, to think briefly about God's love for us, our love for God, and our love for each other. Let me read from 1 Corinthians 13, a passage I'm sure you're very familiar with. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. Imagine being nothing even if you had the faith to move a mountain but because you didn't love 
you were nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless. But love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. When I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope and love. And the greatest of these is love. If you've been to a wedding, it's very likely that that passage has been read. If you've been married, it's quite likely that you had that passage read at your wedding. The passage from the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth is, if you like, a blueprint for love. But it also shows us how God loves us. We read in 1 John 4.16, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. We just read that love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. No open brackets apart from these. Close brackets. Through every circumstance. Paul is showing us, if you like, the practical outworking of true, complete love. He's showing us how love operates. This is far more than a word. But love is active. It, it does things. Love is a doing word. And this is the love that God shows us. God showed us and continues to show us how patient he is and kind. Always gentle with us. How because of Jesus, God does not keep a record of our wrongs. How God never gives up on us. He never loses faith in us. And he will endure with us through everything. The very nature of God is love. And it's given to us. It's showered upon us constantly. And God went even further. We read in Romans 5.8, but God chose his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We know that verse. It's an amazing verse. It wasn't God showed his love for us that if we got ourselves straight, 
if we followed what he said we should do, then he will love for us. Then he'll send Jesus to die for us. It's while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. We read elsewhere in Romans that there is nothing, absolutely nothing, we can ever do to separate us from the love that God has for us as seen in Christ Jesus. Now I'm looking around the room and I realise that none of this is new to you. Do you know what I love about the Bible and about the Christian faith? As we come to communion, none of it's new to us. But I simply want you to really hear it and take it deep into your soul that you are loved by God. And the bread and the cup prepared for you tonight is a visible sign of the outworking of God's love for you. You see, I think we can sometimes know in our intellect that God loves us. But it can get a bit patchy and hit and miss when it comes to our heart. For we have moments when we truly sense that God loves us. A moment where maybe we're not so sure. Not because God has done anything, but because we have. Because we have messed up or something's happened in our life to make us not feel loved by God anymore. But friends, because of Jesus, we are deeply loved by God. It's not reliant on us. And it's not reliant on us feeling it. You know, if you look through the Bible, when Jesus taught, the people asked, who is this Jesus who teaches with authority? When Jesus healed the sick, the people asked, who is this Jesus who has the power to cure? When Jesus performed miracles, the people asked, who is this Jesus who has supremacy over the wind and the waves? And the answer is Jesus. Jesus did all of these things out of deep love for us. We read in the Bible that Jesus did many of his miracles. Why? Because he had love. He had compassion upon the people. A deep love for them that revealed itself in practical ways. Because Jesus is the covenantal promise of God. That is why we are here this evening. Jesus is the one who is the new agreement between us and God. There is no plan B. It is Jesus. The formal agreement that God made to save us, to rescue us, to redeem us, to bring us into a new life. And the reason God sent Jesus as the covenantal promise for us is is solely, unequivocally, because God loves us. God loves you because God is love. Now, I was reading this morning that God's love for us is not hinged on our performance. And I love that. As somebody who messes up on an hour-by-hour basis, I love the fact that God's love for me is not hinged on how I perform, and how I, I, I live out that love. And I just think every now and again, friends, we need to hear that. It is not based on our performance. It's based on the character, the nature, the just what God is. Love is not a four-letter word, it's a three-letter word. It's God. The 
The Bible tells us that God is love and Jesus is the ultimate expression of this love. So our, so God loves us. But what about our love for God? We read in Matthew, Luke, and then this passage from Mark, these words. One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realised that Jesus had answered well. So he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only God. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. This is summing up the whole of the Old Testament by saying it's all about love. The message paraphrase says that we are to love God with all of our passion, our prayer, our intelligence and energy. Friends, we're talking about loving God with everything that we are. Nothing held back. Our son Reuben has just come back today from uh, the weekend of, of BB camp. He had an amazing time. He's unbelievably tired. And I don't fancy him waking up with like a ray of sunshine tomorrow at 7 o'clock. But his teachers can deal with that. It's nothing to do with me. But he really enjoyed himself. And you see, this is the first time he's been away for a weekend without Jem or myself. He missed this year's sixth school trip because... In the current school, it happened before we moved here. In his previous school, it happened a month after he left. So he missed his, his year six trip. But he tells us about it every now and again. <coughs> I dropped him off on Friday evening, and when I got home, even though Kezia and Jem and the dog were still there, the house felt suddenly very quiet. That says who's the chatty one in our house. Saturday morning we woke up and it was just as weird not having him there. Why is that? Because as parents we love him with everything that we are. We don't hold anything back. He is everything to us. If your kids are ill, you just wish you could trade places with them, don't you? They're everything to you and your love for them is so powerful and strong as you love them with everything that you are and always. They can do things to annoy you and they do. And they do. And they do. And they continue to. That doesn't mean you don't love them. And you love them with... You don't hold, you don't hold a love back from them. As we were driving from the house on Friday and Gemma had given him a kiss and had said goodbye and given him a hug and had given him a second hug and a third hug, she stood at the door waving. We got in the car, drove away, Ruben says, what's she going to be like if I ever go to university? <laughs> Why does she do that? Because she loves him with every fibre of her being. <coughs> But what about our love for God? Because our love for God needs to be stronger than that. You know, if I'm honest, I'm not sure I always love God with nothing held back. For there are moments where I don't always put God first, where I mess up more times than I care to admit. But you know, this is why we have God's love for us. 
This is why we have Jesus, for God knows our human weakness and his love in Jesus covers us. That's why we come to a simple meal of bread and juice tonight. But then one of the ways our love for God is expressed is in how we love others. There are instances in life where you see something and you instantly know it is love. Some of you might have seen and followed the story of the rugby league player Rob Burrows, who sadly got motor neurons disease. And last Sunday was the first, the inaugural, I think that's the right word for it, the first uh, Leeds, Rob Burrows Leeds Marathon. And his friend Kevin Sinfield, who played rugby with him, has a very close relationship to him. And he, they had this special wheelchair and he pushed Rob the whole 26 miles of this marathon. And then there's a picture that's gone around the world where right at the end he picked Rob up out of his wheelchair, held him in his arms um, so they could walk over the line and have the same time together. And I looked at that picture and I said, there is a man who loves his friend absolutely loves his friend. But we read back to Mark's Gospel. The second is equally important. This is the, uh, what's the greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbour as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. The second is equally important. Important. So there is nothing greater that we can do in life than to fully and truly love God and then to love others. And as I was preparing for this evening, this phrase that the second is equally important really hit me. This means it's as important to love others as it is to love God. We read in 1 John 4, if anyone boasts, I love God, and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he is a liar. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. Wow challenge, isn't it? But it's a bit like a train track. You, you can't have one side of the train wheels wanting to go to the left and the other side wanting to go to the right. They both have to go in the same direction. Otherwise, there is complete and utter carnage. It's the same with us, friends. We cannot love God and not love others. We probably find this a challenge from time to time because there are people we find it easier to love than others, even in church. But Jesus, the Bible and Paul all say that loving others is not an optional extra. Going back to the passage from 1 Corinthians, it's interesting to see where this passage is is situated. Paul has been teaching on spiritual gifts and he, he interrupts this teaching to talk about love. The reason Paul does this 
is because while spiritual gifts are important in the church and in life, they're not as important as love. He says if we exercise spiritual gifts but not love, then these gifts are about as useful as a chocolate teapot. In other words, they are useless. In my daily Bible reading today, the prayer said, Jesus, we pray that you would release us to make mistakes without condemnation as we faithfully show up and show your love to others today. Because the reality is, friends, we don't always get it right. But we can simply do our best. The cross of Jesus covers us for when we get it wrong. That is why this meal is so powerful. But it doesn't mean we shouldn't seek and pray and ask God to help us love everyone. That annoying neighbour that always parks their car and stops you getting in your drive. That person who, they always say the wrong thing at the wrong time to you. That person who always makes you feel just a little bit small. That they say something and there's there's always an edge. The second is equally important. Love your neighbour as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And I don't know about you, maybe you're far more gracious and loving than I am. But I need the help of Jesus to do that on a daily basis. So as we come to communion, as we come to this table, think about love. Think about God's love for you, the depth of his love, the unconditionality of this love. How even though I am sure you've messed up many times, even though you know you don't always deserve it, God has never stopped loving you, not even for a millisecond. He's never had the thought, oh, do you know what? They've gone and done it now. That's it. I'm washing my hands of them. I'm done with them. That has never entered God's mind for you. For he loves you with all that he is. For he is love. He, he, he cannot do anything but love you. Think about your love for God. Is it everything to you? Do you love with all your passion, your prayer, your intelligence and energy? Are there moments where your life circumstances call you to wane in your love for God? I think of David in the Old Testament, how he had moments when he was in the palace, he had moments when he was in the cave, yet he loved God. He was described as a man after God's own heart. And so in your palace moments and in your cave moments, do you always love God? Think about that as you take the bread and the cup. And then as you take communion, think about how you love others. But not just... Think about how you love others. Think about how you show that love to others. You know, love needs to have legs. What are the legs that you you have to show the love that God loves you as you show that out to other people? And don't worry. We don't only come to this bread and this cup when we've got it all sorted. And to quote the words of the Apostle Del Boy, it's all Christian. <laughs> Because of that cross, we can come here, whether we've messed up 
for the thousandth time today. Whether we've just doubted, whether we're not sure, the cross of Christ is the ultimate expression of love. And it covers us for everything. We're going to sing a song of response as we come around the table. It's going to appear on the screen. It's a modern take uh, of an old hymn, Oh Love That Will Not Let Me Go. Um, I'm not just using it because it's sung by a band from South Wales, but it's from the sound of Wales. And uh, it's just a lovely, lovely version of this hymn. So as we sing this, let's sing it as a response to God, thanking him for his love, declaring our love for him, and asking him to help us as we go into the world and love our neighbour.